the eyes of all nations return time and time again to focus on the Middle East. It's a powder keg surrounded by flames. But could the key to peace for the whole world also be in that volatile region? Welcome to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukerin. Dr. Zukerin is an author, scholar, and speaker who addresses today's cultural and spiritual concerns and presents an intelligent defense for the claims of Christ. And Pat has available a decade of radio programs on everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism online at evidenceandanswers.org. Download past shows, articles, and interviews on the most fascinating topics that we all discuss. And you can also support Evidence and Answers by simply clicking the Donate button on the front page. It's all at evidenceandanswers.org. Today we have the privilege of hearing Pat as he spoke to an audience on recent events in the Middle East and how these events were predicted thousands of years ago. It's getting very interesting. So here's Pat with part two of Islam, Israel, and the hope for peace. Today, the terrorist organizations of Hamas and Hezbollah funded by Iran and other Islamic nations and the Muslim Brotherhood seeks the sole destruction of the nation of Israel. The only reason they exist is the destruction of the nation of Israel. And future attempts to destroy the nation of Israel will continue. How do we know that? Well, Bible prophecy, Revelation chapter 12 if you turn there. Revelation chapter 12, John sees an interesting vision. He says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Who is that woman? Well, that's Israel. She's giving birth to the Messiah. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child. This refers to the Messiah. Israel giving birth to the Messiah. With a... Uh, the child, the one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now we jump down to verse 13. So the dragon is upset that he did not destroy the man-child here, the Messiah, the future ruler of the kingdom of God. It says in verse 13, And the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle, so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness, to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to help to the help of the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus as he stood on the sand of the sea. So here we see a battle raging in the heavens 
of the dragon seeking to destroy the woman who is Israel. And what happens in heaven, the cosmic war, has ramifications for what occurs here upon the earth. So from John's vision in Revelation chapter 12, we can expect further attempts to destroy the nation of Israel here. And as you study uh, the battle of Armageddon, that will occur during the seven-year tribulation. Uh, there will be numerous armies coming to continue to try and destroy the nation of Israel. Ezekiel 38 and 39, the famous prophecy of Gog and Magog. If it were to happen in our uh, near our time, it would be Russia leading a coalition of Libya, Iran, Sudan, and Turkey that are named in this prophecy that would come to try and destroy the nation of Israel and they are miraculously delivered by God in this battle. Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 to 43 talks about the Antichrist there coming to the beautiful land. Also in battle are the armies of the north and the armies of the east. Many believe that uh, the army of the east refers to Revelation chapter 9, the hundred million man army that comes from beyond the Euphrates. They cross the Euphrates and come to battle in that land. And many believe that if there's any country that could host the hundred million man army, that would be the nation of China. Now we don't know, we just know they come from beyond the Euphrates. Uh, if it were to happen in our time, China would be a great candidate. India could possibly host an army of that size, a coalition. I don't see it happening, but if it did, a coalition of the army of India and China, that would just be 5% of, of the population of each of their country could mount an army like that. We know the Silk Road goes all the way from China right to the Middle East. It's a large highway today. So there's several possibilities here. And in Revelation 19, 19, the Antichrist comes with the armies of the earth to surround the nation of Israel. It says here, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on a horse and his great army. And so we see that John prophesies here in Revelation chapter 12 there will be further hostility and attempts to destroy the nation of Israel. Well then, can we ever expect peace in the land of Israel and the Middle East? Well, before peace can come, several conditions must be met, according to the Bible. Well, first, the enemies of Israel must be defeated. The neighboring nations will continue to attack. Several are mentioned, as I just went through. So the neighboring nations that seek the destruction of Israel they must be defeated. The enemies of Israel must be defeated. Then the most powerful earthly enemy, the Antichrist and his coalition of armies must be defeated. That will occur in Revelation 19 verse 20. It's not much of a battle, is it? It says here in verse 19, they gather to make war against him who sits upon the white horse. And the beast was captured and with it the false prophet 
who is in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. The two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds gorged with their flesh. So they come to make battle against Christ and his, uh, his army, the heavenly hosts. And it seems like whoop, they're thrown right into the lake of fire and it's all over very quickly. I hope that uh, maybe this is a man thing. Well, women, women like this too. I hope that maybe I get a chance to, to fight in that war. That'd be something, huh? With your lightsaber riding on a horse, striking down, you know, evil, pure evil in its fullest form. I think it'd be kind of fun. But uh, whether we get to or not, I don't know. Because Christ throws him into the lake of fire right away and it's over. So the Antichrist must be defeated. And then the ultimate enemy, Satan, must be defeated. And that's going to occur in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it. Over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. So, the neighboring nations that seek the destruction of Israel must be defeated. The Antichrist and his coalition must be defeated. And ultimately, the ultimate enemy, Satan, must be defeated. Those things must happen before peace comes to the land of Israel. And then there's one more very important thing. Israel must receive her Messiah. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 39, as he was weeping over Jerusalem, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stoned those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered you Gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace will not come to the land of Israel until Israel receives her Messiah. You see, the return of Christ is predicated on the national repentance of the nation of Israel. That is why the apostles were so ambitious and zealous to bring the Jews to salvation in Jesus Christ because they understood that the return of Christ was predicated on the Jews receiving their Messiah. That's why Paul writes, salvation first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. You see, the return of Christ is predicated by the national repentance and the return of Israel and the receiving of their Messiah. Now, the Jews today remain one of the most difficult people to evangelize. That's a secular nation over there. It's a godless nation there in Israel. I was talking to a friend of mine, Peter Tsukahira. He was a missionary in Japan, and he is now a pastor of a church in Israel. Two of the most difficult countries to evangelize. And I asked him, I said, you pastored in two of the most difficult, unreached countries of the world. 
I said, which one's harder, the Jews or the Japanese? And he said, without a doubt, the Jewish people. Okay? Uh, as the Bible states, there's a hardening of their hearts. You go to Israel and you try to share Christ you know, with Jewish people there. It's a very difficult, very hard, hard soil. I remember uh, talking to a Jewish man uh, on the airplane as I was traveling uh, to New York and then I'd be on my way to Israel. And he was also on his way home to Israel. And I talked with him, well, what else? and he said, why are you planning to go to Israel? And I said, well, I'm going to see the sights. And, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, we don't want you Christians come. Yeah, you come and you think you want to evangelize us and convert us. and Forget it. It's not going to happen. We don't want you there. We like your money. We love taking your money. Just spend your money in Israel and go home. Hmm? You want to hear anything I had to share about their Messiah. It's a tremendous, they're tremendously difficult people to evangelize. We need to pray for the ministries that reach out to the people of Israel. For the return of Christ is predicated upon their national repentance. Well, those are the conditions by which peace will finally come to the land of Israel. Will it ever happen? Yes. There is the promise of peace that will one day come to the land of Israel. And when it does, okay, when they receive their Messiah and He establishes His kingdom, what a glorious and wonderful kingdom it will be. Luke chapter 21, Jesus says here, there will be no peace in Jerusalem. It says here in Luke chapter 21 verse 24, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. The time of the Gentiles began with the Babylonians in 586 BC when the Gentile power of Babylon decimated the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus said the Gentiles will continue to rule or harass the nation of Israel. There will not be peace for Gentile powers will continually be threatening or ruling Jerusalem until the time of the Gentiles is up. So there will be no peace until the Lord returns. And when He does, what a glorious and a wonderful kingdom He will set up and He will rule and reign from the land of Israel, specifically from the city of Jerusalem. That's the promise of peace that shall come to pass. What will it look like? Well, Isaiah chapter 2, the mountain of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted above all the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. The words posted on the United Nations plaque outside the building there. But that will not come to pass until the Messiah returns and sets up His glorious kingdom. It is here in Jerusalem, it says, that the king shall rule over all the world. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. We have another picture. In fact, when the king comes to establish his kingdom, not only will there be justice and peace throughout the land, 
the restoration will go also to nature and the animal kingdom. Verse 6, it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze their young, and their young shall lie together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, Genesis chapter 12, what was the purpose of the nation of Israel? That the entire world would be blessed and come to know God. Okay? How was that going to happen? Well, Israel was to live in obedience to God's law, and as a result, they would have a special relationship with God. And the people from around the world would say, wow, what's going on in that nation? Who is your God? And they would be flocking to Israel to come to a knowledge of that God. Well, did Israel fulfill that mission? No. They failed on numerous occasions. And eventually, uh, God finally sent His Son, their King. They rejected their King. And so the kingdom was not coming. It's now future. And the mission to bring... The knowledge of God to the world goes to the Gentiles, to a new organization God created called the church. But one day Israel is going to fulfill that mission and the nations of the world will come to Israel and say, teach us about our God. Let us go to the mountain of the Lord that we may learn His ways. Uh, throughout Isaiah, you have a picture of the glorious kingdom of God that comes when peace is established in the nation of Israel. Okay, so you can read uh, throughout the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the, the prophets, and look at the wonderful kingdom that the king is to establish that the Jews were waiting for. Uh, their king came. This is the kingdom that would have come had they received their Messiah. They rejected him, so we still await the coming of his kingdom. In chapter 60, I'll read you one more about the kingdom that will be established by the king from the land of Israel. He says, Violence no more shall be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. That's not happened in the land of Israel, has it? You go to Israel today, you can feel the tension in the air. Any minute, something's going to happen. You know, war could break out at any second. That's how tense it is over there. They have not known peace ever since their establishment in 1948. But here they will. Okay? Violence shall be no more heard in your land. Then it says in verse 19, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor the brightness shall the moon give you, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that, might be, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. So when the Lord rules, you won't even need the sun or the moon to light your path. The glory of the Lord as He rules and reigns from Jerusalem shall be your everlasting light. Uh, 
Well, those are the prophecies of the future peace that is coming. So what can we expect now? Well, we can expect continued uh, harassment of the nation of Israel, continued conflict there in the Middle East. Peace will not come. In fact, hostility and conflicts will continue to intensify as we await the return of our Lord. Peace will only come when the King of Israel returns to the land and Israel returns to receive her Messiah. Well, what do we do then? As we conclude, how shall we live wisely in light of the times of the things that we understand in Bible prophecy? Well, number one, as a nation, we must not turn our backs on a nation of Israel. There's political and military reasons for that. Israel, as Benjamin Netanyahu so clearly stated, is the only free country and democracy there in the Middle East. And Israel has been our strongest ally. So we dare not turn our backs on the nation of Israel. But also, there are spiritual and prophetic reasons as well. Genesis 12, hey, the Abrahamic covenant stated what? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Zechariah states that Israel remains the apple of God's eye. Israel is still central to God's salvation plan for the world. God's plan to redeem mankind is with Israel, and we need to work with God, not against His plan. Okay, so this does not mean we accept everything Israel does as right. If Israel is acting unjustly, then we must rebuke them. But we defend her right to exist and to exist in peace. And we need to elect leaders okay, who will continue to defend the right of Israel to exist as a nation in peace. Number two, okay, will there be peace in the land? No, not until Christ returns. But till then, we should make all efforts to strive for peace and seek leaders who understand the Middle East, who understand Islam and the agenda of the organizations that are out there seeking the destruction of Israel, find leaders who have the wisdom who can strive for peace. Any peace that is established, unfortunately, will be temporary. But then that is the right and just thing to do. A righteous leader would seek peace in the Middle East and in the land of Israel. Third, we must share our faith with the Jews and pray for their salvation. For remember, the coming of the kingdom is predicated on the Jews receiving their Messiah. And Israel today is in a state of unbelief. But there are nearly a quarter million Messianic Jews, Jews who have received their Messiah, uh, not only in the United States but throughout the world and in Israel, bringing their fellow men to a salvation uh, in their true Messiah, Jesus Christ. So we need to pray for them in the salvation of the people of Israel. Fourth, we need to pray for the Christians in the Middle East. A Christian's brothers and sisters we know in Egypt, with the fall of their government now, are receiving tremendous persecution. Syria, which had a population of about 15% Christians, because of the persecution they are receiving, they're down to 12%, and they continue to shrink in Syria and in other Middle Eastern countries. But we need to pray and, and not forget, though we pray for the peace of Israel, we also pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in Syria, in Iraq, in Iran, in Jordan, in Pakistan, 
in Palestine, in Egypt. We pray that God would continue to protect them and they would be a powerful witness for Jesus Christ in those lands. And finally, look beyond, this con look beyond the conflict and look for his return. Jesus said, when you see these things happening, know that my return is near. Let's not be caught unaware. Let's be found diligent servants doing the Master's will until he returns. Thank you so much for joining us on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. And be sure you go to evidenceandanswers.org and download both parts of this program on Islam, Israel, and the hope for peace. In fact, in the last 10 years, Pat has done numerous programs on the Middle East and prophecy. He's interviewed leading experts on this subject, and you can get them all at evidenceandanswers.org. Not only that, but you'll find outstanding resources that you may want to give to someone who is seeking spiritual truth. Maybe that college student whose faith is challenged or attacked on today's university campuses. Or perhaps you yourself are skeptical or consider yourself an atheist or unbeliever. Check out the Evidence and Answers concerning the claims of Christ that we have at evidenceandanswers.org. We think you'll appreciate it. And finally, if you believe that a good, solid Christian apologetics program should be on this station, then please support us. If you're concerned about things like the rise of the so-called new atheism and appreciate loving yet hardcore answers to today's challenges to the truth of Christ, then please let us hear from you today. Just click the donate button at evidenceandanswers.org. It's the only way we'll be able to stay on this station. So join us as we try to do what 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to do, to always give reasons for why we have the hope that we do to anyone who asks. Again, let me just emphasize, we do need your help to keep Evidence and Answers on the air. So go to evidenceandanswers.org, browse around the website, and check it out. And we'll see you next time on Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerman.